I can't believe he's gay. I can't believe she's getting married. I can't believe you're still up. Come on, little spaceman. Time for blast off. Spaceman in your rocket to the stars, high up where you are. Can you see me down here? Little spaceman, this is mission control. I'm here, Houston. Find the wall of China. Go away. The sea, squint and you'll see me. I'll be waving down here, little spaceman. This is mission control. I'm here, I'll shout a cheer for you as you leave the atmosphere. I'll send a hug to you when I watch you on the TV. I'll blow a kiss to you as your rocket whizzes by. Give all my love to you every time I see you in the sky. Little spaceman, anywhere you are, no matter how far. I've got you covered from here, little spaceman. This is mission control. I'm here, Houston. This is spaceman, and from my rocket in the stars, I can see you where you are. All systems go up here. This is spaceman. Come in, mission control. I'm here, honey. Look above you. I am flying through the night, and everything's all right. I'm safe and sound up here. This is spaceman. Come in. Mission Control. I'm here, honey. I'll shout right back to you as I leave the atmosphere. Ten for the shot. I'll send a hug to you when I see you on the screen. Ten for the hug. I'll blow a kiss to you as my rocket whizzes by. Ten for the kiss. Give all my love to you every time.
just once around the moon and splash down by morning. Good night. And welcome to Musical World. You just heard Little Spaceman from Greg Coffin's musical Convenience. Greg Coffin and Melissa Rain Anderson are our guests on today's show, and that song features Melissa's voice as well as that of her husband, Jim Poulos, Mary Jo McConnell, and Rondé Stefano. Greg's musical, Right Next to Me, is getting ready to open in Dayton, Ohio, at the Human Race Theater Company's Loft Theater, and he's in town to work with the cast and Melissa's directing the show. Earlier in the week, Greg and Melissa were kind enough to take time out of their busy rehearsal schedule to sit down and talk with me about the development of not only this show, but any show. I think you'll enjoy the conversation, and it runs uninterrupted. At the end of the interview, we'll take you out with Melissa singing Johnny One Note from Babes in Arms at the City Center Encore. As always, thanks for listening. Stay subscribed and tell your friends about Musical World. Now, all that said, here's my conversation with Greg Coffin and Melissa Rain Anderson. Okay. We're at the Loft Theater at the Human Race Theater in Dayton, Ohio, and I'm sitting with Greg Coffin and Ooh. Melissa Rain Anderson. Hello. Hi. And Kevin's walking by stealthily. Hi. Kevin. <laughs> um, wow. It's, this has been, for me, this has been a long time coming. Um, I know you and I have talked about it. Well, when did you do the, the workshop? 2009. Was the two years ago. Two years. Yeah. I, time is just one of those things where it's like, okay, it was last year, the year before. <laughs> yeah, but I knew we, we, my wife and I came and saw it. And we talked to you then about being a guest. And we had you on as a guest a couple episodes ago about mm-hmm. this show. But it's so nice to be able to sit down with Melissa. Thank you. <laughs> Melissa is directing mm-hmm. um, right next to me. And you've kind of been in the process from the start. From there's, what no I, kind of. <laughs> there's no kind of. There's no kind of. She has been, been associated there. from the first note of, of it happening. We, when we did our first reading, of a, when we did our first workshop, uh, in upstate New York at Chiva Theater Center, for it was a part of their uh, Hibernators Interruptus, their new their new play festival. We did it there. We did Act One there before it went to the Unicorn Theater in Kansas City, and this was in that room, you know, doing doing the work from that moment on. So she knows, okay. she knows every note that isn't playing on the stage, and as well as the notes that are there. Time frame: how how long ago was that? Was that seven? End of seven? Sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Three and a half. Four years ago, yeah. three and a half years ago, yeah. Takes a village. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> and and it happens overnight. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's the way everybody this perspective they're perceiving it is that yeah it's overnight. Yeah, new yeah. musical. Yeah, new musical theater overnight. <laughs> um, so, tell us a little bit about how you've been to Dayton before. You've worked with Human Race, right. and. We think they're awesome. We we know that they're, you know, for years, that's how I became associated with new musical theater, was through Human Race, because they were the only ones who would do it in Dayton. And yours is one of the first ones with convenience, 
when I started getting involved in new musical theater, it was convenience was one of those that got me into it. The Human Race production of Convenience was the first one outside of its original cast. Really? Performed. And Kevin, of his own volition, Kevin heard it at NAMD, National Alliance Musical Theater in 2000. It was picked as one of 10 new musicals to be presented in New York. So we did a weekend there where we, uh, we actually rehearsed it. We cast the show in New York, and we rehearsed the first 45 minutes that we were going to share at NAMD before we ever stepped into a rehearsal room to rehearse the play itself. Because it got picked for Nant that year. So we put a cutting together of this play that hadn't even been in a rehearsal room yet. Did the did the 45-minute presentation twice. Um, Kevin saw that. Kevin's a member of Nant. Yeah, right. Human races. So Kevin saw that, was interested. Uh, and when we put it on uh, Bejiva that year, Kevin blew himself up to see it. And then offered me at the end of that year, we did it in the next stage, the Jiva Smaller uh, Theater. Okay. Uh, at the end of that, Kevin offered me um, the rewrite, a, a, a week-long uh, rewrite session here. So I kind of got my notes together about what I would want to do. Liz came out for it. A um, bunch of you know, bunch of folk here that people kind of know. Right. We did, we did, did we do it two nights? Or did we, was it just a one-night thing? I can't remember. I can't remember either. Yeah. Well, I just remember me at piano with a thing of Altoids and everybody sitting on, <laughs> yeah. sitting on stools. Everyone on stools. Right? Yeah, yeah, for for the reading here yeah. during that time, during like the composer summit. Yeah, I think so. It's yeah. interesting because it actually worked really well on stools. It worked yeah. just as well. It's kind of a testament to the way Greg writes. I think you know it's a pretty visceral experience, whether it's fully staged or whether you're just hearing the score. Um, of course, we could we could see each other and, and respond to each other. Right. We could have we could have actor impulses with each other, which was nice. Yeah, and you were even using some. Props and that kind of thing. Maybe a phone. Hats. Maybe the phone. Yeah. Right, exactly. uh, sure. Sure. To go from older to younger right. and yeah. things like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 So that was, you know, Kevin Kevin and Human Race have been a big fan and a huge supporter of the work ever since convenience. So from there, then I did I did some incidental work for him. I did Drawer Boy, did the music for Drawer Boy here, did right. music proof here. Then they did my five course love. Uh, which also was developed to achieve and went off Broadway. They did that here. And then uh, I did their uh, incidental music for a Christmas Carol that they did. Oh, right. And uh, and we've, we've just kept close all the way through it. And he asked me a couple of years ago, do you have anything you're working on? And I told him this idea. <laughs> and we had been working on it. Right. So uh, Kevin jumped in, and we were ready for a rewrite. Originally, it was uh, two actors that doubled as three couples. And it was three stories, three kind of vignettes. Uh, right. A couple that was being um, was coming apart because of love, because somebody had died in the relationship. A couple that was coming apart because of divorce. They just weren't getting along at all. And a couple of two individuals that were coming together from other that were meeting together. Right. And so those the same two actors played all of that. Um, List directed that production at B Street Theater in Sacramento. Okay. We had a, we had a couple buddies come out and do that and learned volumes about the show and kind of thought about where it could go. And, and a connection seemed to be the thing that it was most about, about how, how we connect and, and what love does, what, what love does when it goes. You know, what, what, do, what are the people who stay behind? What happens when love goes? Um, so I, I gave Liz kind of an idea of the sketch of what I was going to do for the rewrites, and it was vastly different. It was kind of like Crash, the musical. It was oh, okay. like somebody took the movie Crash and made it a musical. All these people who you don't know how they're connected at the outset and then bit by bit, you start to realize the connections of how they're put together. It's coming together. Yeah. And we did act one of that here. And when we did it, um, you know, we got all kinds of feedback from all kinds of folks. That's the great thing about early process with musicals. Just every, you put five people in a room with a new musical, and you'll get ten opinions about what should be going on up on that stage. And we're just there going, uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so it was, 
it was like I had kind of forgot it was only the first act two years yeah. ago. I had kind of forgot that. It was kind of a bigger, you know, because there were, so, well, it was four actors playing eight roles. Right. So, you know, we, we re, it really expanded. And they were all interlinked somehow. Okay. Um, but it, it just, I loved that version. And I love all those characters. And it was really hard for me to see a lot of them go away now. But Greg, Greg's right. It just took all of Act One to tell everybody who everybody was. Right. You know, I mean, we were right. just stuck um, getting the connections out before we got to the meat of what what the story wanted to be, what the thrust of the okay. of the of the piece wanted to be. But there are some characters in there that I hope make it back into some shows. <laughs> some show. <laughs> Somewhere. Okay, good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jack. Jack. And, oh, yeah, we okay. miss them. We do. <laughs> I do. I'm totally get it. They'll be in the background. So we take that version, right, and we get all kinds of feedback, and, and a lot of it incredibly strong, that kind of helps us hone in on something that's been in our back burner anyway, which is that the military story in the, in the show is really the strongest thematic thread to be explored. Especially um, these times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Almost so, everybody can relate. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so away I go into kind of figuring out how that story is going to be pursued and, and talking about, um, you know, about their commitment, about what their commitment is and what would make a huge obstacle for them. And the obstacle in the original versions of it was always that he was a ghost, that he was gone. <laughs> um, it had been more immediate in other, other versions. It had been that he had literally, she was waking up every night at the same time and it was, that was the, the moment that he had been killed over in Iraq. Uh-huh. And the amount of time that she had to be with him in their bedroom was the amount of time that it took for his body to be flown from Baghdad to Germany to Dover, Delaware. She was. So he had that much time in the snowstorm to, to be there before, before the two of them said goodbye. Um, so I expanded that a little bit and talked about you know, what, what would be a great obstacle for her um, is that she couldn't let him go. Not the, not the alarming rate of how she found out, but that she couldn't let him go. Um, which is always the great kind of beginning for a, for a journey story anyway, something you can't let go of and something you being stuck in some way and how you're going to go out into the world and figure out you're stuck in this. So uh, I talked to Liz about the possibility of it being, you know, a year after and that the, and that the ghost, the, the husband, had given her a task, which was please scatter my ashes in places that mean something to me. And it's been a year and she, she can't do it. Just can't do it. And, uh, and it's... It's a very special day when the show starts because it's the day that his younger brother, the Marine who has passed, um, has a younger brother who's also a Marine. Whole military family on that, on that right. side that she married into. Uh, he's not going to see those ashes to another day without that request being made. And so he shows up on the one year anniversary of death and says, I'm on him. I'm not going to do it. I'm Let's do, do it, it now. Gonna, yeah, I'm going to do it. And that pushes every last, I've got to hold him, I've got to hold him button in her. And she skedaddles out the back of the house and starts the trip. With the ice. She escapes. And she escapes. clutches. Excellent. And starts. Um, The trouble is, as she kind of goes down the road, is that not all the stops are stops she knows. So she needs him. And so the brother brother who is, you know, his own kind of, he's got his own uh, ball of yarn that he's dealing with, and she's got her own. These two unlikely uh, folk meet together to carry out the wishes of this man. And they learn a heck of a lot about themselves while they do it. She has a best friend as right. well, who's kind of been her rock through the whole thing. Who is, you know, she might as well be named Comic Relief as far as, <laughs> as, far as we're She, yeah, she keeps us honest, as Liz points out, and it's a really good observation. She keeps us honest about the 
the arc of the show. So much about, you know, it's not a play about grieving. It's a play about a woman who reclaims her life. It's, okay. you know, we can very quickly say, because it's about somebody scattering ashes, oh, it's going to be a tear fest. And there are, there are sad times. Of course there are. Um, but the places that we visit are all places that are memories for, for these people. And, so, right. and they aren't memories that were sad memories. They're incredibly memories. beautiful right. memories. The place where they first met and the place where they got married. And, you know, they're all 23 and taking shots before they go on each roller coaster at this, <laughs> at this park. So there's a great deal of fun. And then at some inevitable, uh, inevitable moment, you realize, oh, and they're here to scatter those ashes. So... That's what we have to get to. So there's some real, real fun and real beauty in it too. The, the bittersweet, I yeah. think, is really the the combination that we're trying to the balance of the tone, right. you know, to balance that out and, and 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 knowing when the comedy needs to ride the line because we certainly do not want to pull the rug out from anybody who's having a cathartic moment of of grieving either. So I think calibrating that has been particularly important with this production, yeah. um, and it feels like we're in the right. Right, ball, oh, ballpark with that, and I think that you know having that having that little bit of comedy, you know, right at the moment where you're gonna just completely yeah. lose it, and you can just burst that bubble a little bit, and it's sort of the same. It's release. necessary though. It's yeah. kind of necessary yeah, to have yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it feels good. It feels just as much of a release into laughter as it as it can into into tears. I think. Right. So it's a nice it's a nice balance. You kind of learn when you're acting, when you're a student of acting, that 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 line between comedy and and, and tears, you know, it's very close. Hair thin, yeah. You can yeah. in real life, you can be, you can be laughing up a storm about something, and suddenly you just, you know, burst into, or vice versa, you uh, cry your eyes out, and then, oh my god, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> cry yeah. for ten minutes, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's it's that it's that kind of evening. It's also um, I'm so excited that it's my it's my first score in a long time that I got to orchestrate all myself. Which I, I love the sound of this pit. I've been yearning Excellent. to have a cello in the pit for a long, oh, long time. Yeah. And what better show, you know, to have that ache and then, and have that tooth. You know, they're on the fun numbers. You can just hear the rosin flying. <laughs> I love the what. Sound. Uh, what kind of orchestra? How many pieces? Four. Four. four? In the pit. Yep. Piano, bass, percussion, and cello. Excellent. Great sound. And it's my my usual mo. It's through sung. So, you know, even there, there, there are scenelets that are there, but they always lead into either a recit kind of area or a okay. full-out pop song. Right. Comes after. Pretty much your standard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, how about the cast? Tell us a little bit about the cast that people uh, would see. Sure. Two of the people are returning folk from the summer workshop that we did two okay. years ago. So uh, Liz's husband, Jim Poulos, who created mm -hmm. a role in Convenience along with Liz. Right. Uh, Jim's back, playing the younger brother. Uh, so he plays Mike in the show, and Jamie Cordes, who played um, you know a, a duo of characters in the original workshop, plays the Marine who's passed away okay. as well. And then uh, and then Liz uh, cast in New York uh, the two women. We found two great ladies to come and join us: Maria Couch, who's going to play the wife, so Jen, Dave's wife, the widow, mm -hmm. and uh, Dana Mirlock, who is our comic relief gal, and she's about. <laughs> Five foot nothing. Four twelve. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, and she's just she's just hilarious uh, and and but so centered and grounded too. Because the thing about Trish, the best friend, of course, she has to kind of bring the truth. She's also sort of our truth yeah. barometer, and she she has this great eleven o'clock number where she she kind of tells. The tale of, of what Jen's last and final stop on her journey is going to be about. And so she really okay. has been Jen's barometer throughout the entire evening. And then it's great because we get to see Jen through her eyes, where we've sort of been seeing the entire world 
through Jen, through the widow's eyes, we sort of right. get this great mirror of her best friend saying, look at her, look at her go, and look what she's, she can do now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful song called The Road that Greg wrote, um, which I think is would probably be the A-side of our pop hit. The A-side? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> We're going to be throwing it at some folk. <laughs> See if you want to do it. Yeah. Download on iTunes. <laughs> That's what the, the, the thing you said, too, about the, about the reflexiveness about that relationship. You also talked, you started to hint a little bit about kind of the idea of how, what Jen's world is, mm. which is this kind of shake-up. Mm. You know, yeah, we, we, we've always sort of felt like Jen has... The widow has sort of made herself a cocoon since Dave has died. And so, and with this impending uh, sort of snowstorm, it, it, the, the entire play does take place on, you know, in January. It is winter. It is in, oh, you know, in a snowy places. When we go back into memory, we get a little bit of spring. We get a little bit of summer, which is nice. It's sort of the idea of that she's created her own snow globe. Okay. Um, and, and that's basically, she's frozen the moment in time, you know, sort of when she had Dave left in her life, in her bedroom, living with her that time of her life. And she's, she's kind of refused to leave that glass for a year. And all of the snow that piles on top of you for that entire year, she's just completely not dealing with what's going on outside of that personal snow globe. And I talked to David Centers, our scenic designer, about this idea that in her mind she's, she's created this, he took that and really ran with it, and, and the entire scenic design is based on uh, a snow globe. Oh, really? And so it is very white and very snowy, um, and, it, and, and movable pieces within to create different locations. But the entire evening, the entire event, really does take place inside this snow globe. Um, the the wonderful idea that David latched onto when he heard about the letters. The letters play a big, um, uh, they, they play a big part in Jen's communication to Dave when he's in Iraq. Right. She saves every single letter that he ever wrote to her, and they come up throughout the play. And when David latched onto that idea, he thought, well, so we're talking about how do we make snow but that it's not literal. We didn't want to be too literal, this whole thing, this magical realism. It's sung through. It's um, not a kitchen sink drama. So we wanted to heighten the look of it. And he came up with this great idea that perhaps the piles of snow around the edges of the scenery are actually letters, letters. the letters that Dave has written to her. And so this huge metaphor then suddenly becomes, you know, the entire the entire world of Jen's mind that she's yeah. created and she's kept herself safe in the snow globe because of David and his letters and the way he used to communicate to her. So it's it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool space to play in. I'll, I'll say that. She sounds like she gets to not not grow up, but she she opens up. She gets to go, go on her journey absolutely and turn a, turn a bunch of pages for herself. And by the end we know that at least she knows that she's going to be she's okay. Right. right. Which is huge. Happy ending. She takes a couple <laughs> steps. She takes okay. a couple steps. Okay. <laughs> Don't want to give it all away. Um, how much you you use, like Jim, mm-hmm. and people that you've used before, how important is it for new writers or for writers in general to 
kind of latch on to those people that they know they can go to. It's, it's vital when you're getting your work done. You don't know the, you don't know the situation you're going to be given by a theater. You know, as kind as it is to get a workshop, you don't know how much time you've got. You don't know, you don't know what's going to happen in the room as far as any. You've just got no idea. So you want your aces in the hole. You want right. the people that know your work and know, and you have a working relationship. And that, you know, listen, I have that. Listen, I listen, I go back to Pacific Conservatory of the Performing Arts in Santa Maria, California, when she was, you know, what, 18, 19? Well, I was a little older. <laughs> but we're not going to age ourselves. We're not going to age ourselves. 15, we 16. look older than, we look younger than we are. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like a 19-year relationship yeah. that, that we have. You know, we can okay. do shows together, and we understand. The lexicon is runs deep, and the the shorthand is good. You know, and and you know, having Jimmy in the cast is fantastic because I went through the whole process with Greg. Um, you know, on convenience, and so you know, n- knowing how Greg works and how Jimmy works and how I work, it just we can get things done really, really quickly. It's very nice. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. Yeah, it's a luxury. It's a true, true luxury. Well, also. No, no, you're okay. um, tell, tell people a little bit more about yourself. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I've known of you since convenience, but I, as you said, 19 years working with um, him alone, with, yeah. or not him alone, but working with Greg. Yeah, I've been in the, yeah, I mean, you know, I started as an actor primarily, an actor for a good first 15 years I guess of my career and I do still act it's just that I haven't put a lot of focus into that and it being an actor takes a lot of focus so to find your next job and to um, be ready to audition and to and all that, it takes a lot of time and because I really feel like I found I really feel like I'm walking in the life that I want to be walking in now as a director I would give up acting in a heartbeat to direct the rest of my life, absolutely. I think I've definitely found my calling. If you want to call oh, it, okay. if you want to call it that, I much prefer it. I much prefer being on this side of the table, meaning you know, the back of the footlights. I like. I enjoy the collaboration with um, writers, other directors, designers. It really does feel like a team sport, and the best idea in the room wins. Um, but also just to be able to tell the bigger story. Uh, when I was an actor in the rehearsal process, I would always have sort of this thinking cap on about how I fit into the entire world, which is a good skill to have as an actor, but it was yeah. it was overpowering. It was so overpowering in the rehearsal process, it was hard to shut that down and just be a good actor for whatever director I was working for, because okay. I kept seeing wow, if I was at the helm, I would tell this story or I would really want to follow this through line or I would want this to be a visual metaphor or, you know, and it, it, it got almost in my way. Um, so then when I started directing, I was opened up to all those worlds and I got all the toys, meaning the lights and the scenic design and, you know, music and sound and actors to get to play with to tell the, the story and the aesthetic that I saw, saw was really the strongest. Does it make you a different director by having the experience as an actor? I think it does. I think, I definitely think it does. And I actually do, I do, you know, I still do readings. I've done, I continue to keep myself in the loop of new readings of new musicals um, in New York City because it actually hones my skill, I think, as a director to pop back on the other side of it every once in a while. I do like the balance um, to keep myself in check a little bit. I think you can get, at least for me, I can get too far away from it. 
Um, because, I think it would be easy to do. Just yeah, and I think that you can get kind of ton, you know tunnel focused. Right. So I like the balance, but it, I much prefer the directing. It's been such a <laughs> such a great thing to be able to say. You know, in the last six years, I've gotten I found out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. That's excellent. So I I feel really fortunate that way. Yeah. Yeah, um, working on a new musical, of course, is always the best thing. I, I prefer to do musicals too. I don't really direct plays very much. People right. don't associate me with straight plays that much, and they don't hire me to. Not that I don't think that I can, but I prefer to do musicals anyway. So I'm happy there. Working on something new is is really really refreshing, and it challenges even more of you know what's all of your brain cells have to be working at 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 every given time are we telling the right story are we telling the specific story mm-hmm. are we guiding them guiding the audience in such a way that is going to make sense for the next page when we turn and get this information so the dramaturgy of it is is exhausting and Greg and I have been you know so particular about every single syllable and what every single word and every single you know note feels like and means to us so that we can keep each other on track as far as what is the story we're telling at, at any given moment. Okay. And with a sung through piece, that's a huge project because, you know, it's an hour and 10 minutes in the first act and 40 hour, 40, I'm sorry, 40 minutes in the second act. It's a lot of material to right. sort of mine through and to figure out, okay, well, if we calibrate that information now, then it's not going to be quite as important when we get to it then. And, you know, what is actually going on with Mike? Is he real? you know, when do we want to drop these certain plot lines in and um, character things in? So that's been that's been fascinating, <laughs> and I have to say, somewhat addictive. Yeah. In a weird, <laughs> weird it's way, good. in the math of it, you know, we just never let down. No. Quite it's awesome. <laughs> even even when you're writing and you're you know, it's great to have a, It's always great to have a boundary. It's always great to have a deadline. So mm. I, I work really well that way. You know, the term papers due tomorrow. Okay. Let's go. Mm-hmm. I can do it now. Yeah, I can do it now. Um, that, that happens. You know, when we're going to start, we have a first day of rehearsal, and there has to be a musical Something there to do. Something music. has to be there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, a great, that's a great battle cry. And uh, it can be exhausting. You know, you can find yourself that last month working till 2, 3 in the morning and, and getting up the next day at 6, and away you go again to just try to get the rest of the clutter out of the way so that you can hear these people talk to you and say what they want to say. You know, we're just the, the vessel. That gets the stuff ready. Right. So, um, so this just keeps me freaking honest. This, this <laughs> and I, in a really good way, you know, what about this line? You know, what? And I'm you know, like a song away. And go, yeah, yeah, let's talk about that line. And it's great. And, and she could hear my voice a few times. The, oh my God, this kid, he's exhausted right now. And, and I had to kind of say, no, 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 it's good. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. So that we can dig right down into it. And it's, it's been astonishing. You know, when you're working on, I'm, I imagine, when you're working on a musical that is done, you know, when you're working on Oklahoma or Fiddler or anything like that, the boundary's there. This is the, this is the right. script. This is the score. You know, you can, you can nudge that a little and go, oh, we're going to get this version of it or that version right. of it, that kind of thing. But when it's new and you're, and you're looking at it, and you're, you're setting your own boundaries. You know, we're all right. kind of little gods in there going, okay, so here's the boundary. Boundaries were in Jen's snow globe. So everything has to measure up against, well, does that pop the globe? Or does that stay confined in her world? Each of these characters is developing. Okay, so you want those people in the room that are going to be yes and people rather than no people. You want people in the room who are going to hear the idea and go, yes. And what if, you know, and then and you ask those actor questions. Yes and and what if are the most creative things you can, mm-hmm. you can say in a room. 
you know, to kind of start to figure it out. And to have those kind of storytellers there in the room who are going way down deep, down the rabbit holes of these characters that you can go, happened just last night. We were talking about a moment where, um, where um, Mike, the, 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 young, the younger brother, is going to come in and kind of cut Jen off in, in the middle of her talking, just cuts her off in the song. And, and uh, Jim brought up this point about, you know, kind of, I don't kind of jive with that right now. And we, we both kind of responded to the, it doesn't have to be mean. It doesn't have to be cutting her off to be mean. It could be this is the first time he's done it. He's a little impatient. He's nervous. He's whatever. It doesn't have to be I'm doing it to be cruel. It could just be it blurts out there because he doesn't know what else. He doesn't know how to sit there and calmly let her have her time. So right. when you have people in the room like that, Liz's line about the best idea wins is, is tantamount, you know. Let's try all of them, and whatever works the strongest right. for this, for this telling. But, and sticks. the thing about J- working with Jim is what's so great is we'll always get pushback if he doesn't believe it. Yeah. So we know that he'll keep us honest. Yeah. Which is great. Excellent. I mean, and the pushback is what we rely on, so that we kind of get to the heart or the meat of the problem, and then when we push through, of course. There's gold on the other side of it. Will the others do that when they see Jim having success at it? Yeah, I mean, they've all really take ownership. They've taken ownership over their roles, which is is so great. Because we cannot be inside of all four of these characters and still try to... For Greg write the play and for me to try to tell the story. There's just there's just no way. We really, really need them to to mm-hmm. own own who they are and their characters and then push back against, you know, any idea that doesn't feel certainly right. And and it's not a no, it's just, well, what if la 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 and I don't know about this and this and this and this and this, and then we talk it out and suddenly a world opens up. And we've gone down the rabbit hole that, of course, this is what it is. And we would have never gotten there, just me and Greg sitting in a room for 24 hours trying to hash it out, you know. And and you'll be making these kind of changes right up until opening yeah, night? I mean, to, I, to Jim, I don't know if I ever did it to you in convenience, but I remember handing Jim a napkin five, 15 or so minutes before a preview. We only had two or three previews of convenience, but I handed Jim a napkin that said, I can't make you sing this, but boy, that would be great. Well, and you, you know? did it. To, you did it here. That's when we got the lines in. Inconvenient when me and Jimmy were doing. Oh, that's right. It yeah. happened here. Yeah, yeah. we really? did a whole new version of it. Yeah. the title song of Convenience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Happened here after the show. Yeah. I mean, actors are usually pretty good about that because if because the material is going to be better, so it's going to feed them. You know what I mean? To, right. to be better in that moment. Right. Um, but you know you gotta know your boundaries with the certain actors that you're working with. There are some people that you know you Jim. We could give notes. We could give stuff on opening day, and it would be fine. Um, you know the others might <laughs> take a little bit more time. Or like <laughs> if we had time to go up and put it on its feet, I would want them to feel completely confident with with a change before putting them out in front of a house because it's not always fair. But you've gotten so much in, you know. Yeah, we we really have. Re- I mean, we had it in a shape. And then right. we brought it here, and it's always just a shape. It's an idea. And sure. Then, then people start to say, and you go, who wrote this? And then you start <laughs> figuring out what they really need to say, right? And then, like, for instance, I, I wrote the end of this play. And lit, I, you know, I kind of explained what I saw happening. I did this whole movie for Liz. Well, I can't see this. I see this happening. And then that happens. And, that. and so and Liz... he wrote, but not only did he see the movie, he wrote the underscoring because there's no singing. It's all action. So he's describing it and putting in stage directions and he writes his glorious blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to do it. This is the movie in Greg's mind. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. To that moment. And the actor, we just go, screech! <laughs> we get right no into the kidding. Yeah, it just, just, it just doesn't feel, we've gone past it. 
We've gone past that moment. This moment might have happened, you know, like, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes ago back there, but we've gone past that moment. So you know, kind, you know, you go, okay, so what does it feel what like? What is it? What is What this? is it then? Thank God we're, we've got the original director and the original writer in there, because we have to write something else. <laughs> so what's that going to be? Oh, my gosh. But that's how it happens, you know? When you're up there, you can only guess the truth. Right. You know what true is. You, right. can, but you can only guess the specific thing right there, and you put, you put your best guess up, right? And then we all sit in a room and go, I, I can guess better, you know? And so you go, great, best, best guess wins. So yes. We have an astonishing ending to this thing. It's really, really exciting. Yeah. That I, yeah. It's that cool. was not there when I wrote the thing originally. That only showed up in lists and was like, showed up here just recently. That's right. Yeah. Just like, you know, two days ago, really. Okay. I, uh, you know, and it's, it's hard to write the end, though, because you don't really know. And that's why I do like to work in order. Yeah. Because then it informs everybody in the room and the actors the journey that they've been on. And so that we know how to finish the play, even to block the play, not necessarily to write the play, but just to even get it up on, on its feet. We don't know what it is until we've gone through the rest of the show. Right. So it, it, it makes perfect sense that we got there and said, oh, no, this is a big leap. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was too big it's a leap. It's a glorious, it's great for the movie. When we do the yeah, movie, we did the movie version, awesome. it's excellent. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> I think it's a really good movie. Jim keeps saying that, too. Yeah, I think really it's fun. a good movie musical. Okay. Yeah, there you <laughs> That's go. That's next. That's next. There you go. <laughs> Talk to Jim Cameron. That's right. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Jim's busy. He's yeah, well, yeah. you know. So, what's what's happening next? Where is it going to go? Oh, we don't know. I mean, we we know uh, we know. List scoots off to you know land of two more musicals after this. Um, and we know I get to stay here for a week, which is a blessing, and sit in the back row and watch the show and watch all the heads go, I don't get that, I don't, what's this, that kind of thing, where you learn kind of what's clear and what's not about the writing. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome, get that. Um, and then I kind of head back to the studio, and I'm sure we'll have detox time to kind of go, so, you know, where do we want it, where do we want it to head? There are lots of places workshop-wise to, to suggest it to, you know, but you don't want to do that until you know where you're heading. So, you know, the things you want to clarify... Um, you know, to get the to get the next round of the story, and you want to keep it. Uh, my my feeling is, you just want to keep it away from as many eyes and ears as you possibly can until it's the color that right. it wants to be. Right. When it's that, then you want to open the floodgates and say, okay. So you're not jumping into a studio to do the cast recording no, or no, anything right. like that. Well, I, I don't. I don't mean to. We we um we did that with convenience, and right. we went too early. Oh, did because you? Because we cut seven songs and added four. You know, from the original time it was done in Asia. Yeah, but... And then we... The, honestly, the songs that were cut are still great to have around. They're great to have around, <laughs> but, you know, the only... Because because times is tough, you know, and I'm, I'm sure. not made of made a money. Um, that's the... That's the, the existing... Reality. Well, it's the reality, but that's also the existing document of the show. A show that isn't... If you get it from Drama's Play Service to do, there are seven songs missing and four new ones. Mm-hmm. If you, so if you get the CD of it, you go, that's great. And it's still... Yes, it does tell the story of the, of the show. But um, what we really played every night is is a vastly different beginning. There are two new songs before the CD even starts. There's stuff cut. There's, you know, so there's all of that kind of thing where you go, I don't remember that song. Absolutely. Try it. <laughs> it's not there anymore. But they show up in the trunk. You know, I have a great folder on my laptop. <laughs> Everything goes in the back burner. Oh, okay. No, mine's called Trunk. <laughs> I'm not so original. <laughs> and and where are you going to work? What are you going to be working? I on? am 
flying to Ashland, Oregon uh, to work on The Marvelous Wondrettes at the Oregon Cabaret Theater, which is sort of the small dinner theater, the answer to the, the Oregon Shakespeare Festival that runs runs there and takes over the mm -hmm. summer. Um, well, it takes over the whole year. Uh, the It's a small little uh, space that I actually worked as an actor at. Um, it was a, kind of a thorough connection with, with Greg. Greg knew the artistic director and put in a good word. And so I worked there right out of college uh, as an actor, and I'm going back to direct um, The Marvelous Wonderettes there. And then I go to Winona, Minnesota, to direct The Fantastics at Great River Shakespeare, which is was started by a great friend of ours, Paul Barnes, who's the artistic okay. director there. So uh, it's a Shakespeare festival, um, and they've added a small musical into their rep. Like Fantastics and Shakespeare. I... Yeah, I mean, it, there are, there are roots in Shakespeare. Oh, because, sure, you know, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I know. I... Fathers, the lovers, <laughs> the lovers the oh, yeah. Angel, yeah. oh yeah, all that stuff. But yeah, so hopefully, um, hopefully, uh, it'll be you know one of those shows that makes them a little bit of money and still stays within the aesthetic of right. you know the work that they're trying to do. But they have a resident company there, so I'm really excited to work with them because a lot of them I know from back. Uh, in California, PCPA, because it's all sort of the same family mm -hmm. of people that we've been working with for the last 18 years. Um, so excited to go back and work with them. Good. Yeah. Are, are you working on anything new? Uh, I, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, uh, my bread and butter uh, income is always incidental music as I'm writing the next musical. So right. I'm off to, after this, I'm off to... Um, Denver Center to do The Liar, the, um, the David Ives adaptation of The Liar, the Cornet play. Uh, and then I'm doing the Stephen Deeds Dracula as a co-production with Indiana Ref and with Jiva. And then I'm back to Denver Center to do uh, Taming of the Shrew. Uh, and musical director Christmas Carol. And Jiva's doing my Christmas Carol. And, and we'll see whether or not we get young Ms. Ray Anderson <laughs> in yeah. the busy Ms. Ray Anderson. I mean, it's on my calendar. Jim and I did did the new version that, that Greg wrote the music for last year, and so we're going to go back and play the Cratchits again. Excellent. Uh, at Christmas time. It'll be so, fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, excellent. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to add to our, for our listeners? Uh, it starts May 26th. Yes. Here at the Loft and runs through runs June, June 12th. June 12th. Come and see it. Do not be deterred by a feeling that it might be a tearful evening. It's a joyful <laughs> Evening. It's a living evening. And it's a new musical, an original new musical. It's right. an adaptation of a story. When do you get to see that? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Come on out and give it a listen. Yep. Support new musical theater. There are links on our show notes uh, on our website for Greg and Melissa and for tickets. You can click a link and go directly to buy tickets and Come to Dayton and see a show. Unless you're already in Dayton, then I know you've already got tickets. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. It's been a real, real pleasure and a lot of fun. Finally, sit down and talk to you. Absolutely. Look forward to see it. We're going to be here on opening night. So, oh, good. Great. Yeah, look forward to it. All righty. Thank, thank you, sir. Johnny could only sing one note, and the note he sang was this.
unknown. Got in Aida, indeed a great chance to be brave. He took his one note, howled like the north wind, brought forth wind that made critics rave. While Verdi turned round in his grave, couldn't hear the flute or the big trombone. Everyone was mute. Johnny stood alone. Cats and dogs stopped yapping. Lions in the zoo all were jealous of Johnny's big trill. Thunderclaps stopped clapping. Traffic ceased its roar, and they tell us Niagara stood still. He stopped the train whistles, boat whistles, steam whistles, cough whistles, all whistles bowed to his skill. Sing Johnny one note. Sing out with gusto and just overwhelm all the crowd. So sing Johnny one note out loud. Sing Johnny one note. 